is this fake sire? Is this this Hades costume? Is the stinkiest costume on this brand? <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear? Bing is a sus individual. You shall satisfy the cauldron's hunger. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash Mouse Madness. Kyle, uh, we're back. We're just, we're trudging straight through spooky season. Um, yeah. It's my first October in like five years <laughs> where I am completely free. So I'm enjoying uh, watching some some classic spooky decoms. Yeah. Uh, watching some some non-Disney horror movies as well. Yeah. It's a, it, we're in the smack dab middle of October. This is the best time to break out those decoms. Uh, and I noticed uh, the other day I texted you. I was like, damn, they remade Under Wraps. And you're like, yeah, obviously we talked about that. And I was like, damn, they made a Under Wraps too. <laughs> and it's on Disney Plus as well. I, yeah, we, we. I missed that one. Yeah, I missed Under Wraps too. I went on the app today and I was like, wait, wait. What? Yeah, hold on. Under the radar, haven't seen either of them. Probably won't, but uh, that's for your your consumption there. And we're also in the middle of the arguably to a lot of people the best po- the best time to be in the parks. This fall theming when you're in the Disneyland Resort is just phenomenal. And you got the Oogie Boogie Bash extra ticket night going on after park hours. Everything's fall colors. You got the pumpkin facades above the gates it's, it's a great time to be there and our guest hosts uh, one of them at least visited the parks recently we got eric and Alyssa back here welcome back to to mouse madness you too hello thank you for having us back yeah. so excited we love yeah. it here we live Alyssa- here we're on the zoom when you guys aren't sometimes <laughs> right that's a big secret of mouse madness is that every time we log on to record one of these Eric and Alyssa are actually just in the corner screen. Uh, no matter who the guest is, Eric and Alyssa are also there. They're like producers, but they don't do anything. They just listen in as we talk. The real live episodes. Live audience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Alyssa, you just recently went to the parks not too long ago at this point. I guess it would have been three or four weeks ago. Um, we want to hear about it. How was your experience hitting the parks uh, post-pandemic? When's the last time you went? Is this the first time in a while? Give it to us all. Yeah. So the last time I went to the parks was in 2018. And I think, I mean, Avengers Campus was not there. I think um, Guardians of the Galaxy Tower of Terror was like barely a thing at that point. So I mean, the best new thing I think was like Cars Land that I had experienced mm-hmm. in that moment. So nice. a lot of changes that happened since then. And I went, I think now two weeks ago, it was my first time going in the fall, like in the Halloween decor, which was awesome. That was like a, a dream of mine and my family um, bought tickets for all of us to go. So we went, it was really cool. We didn't get the boogie, the Oogie Boogie Bash. Um, didn't want to pay that extra money. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fair. But I also learned that there's now genie passes, no more no. free fast passes. So we didn't do the genie passes either. <laughs> Disney on a budget. Um, sure. But it was cool. The Haunted Mansion ride was all Nightmare Before Christmas, which I was like, did they change this permanently? Or is this just for this? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> it's been a while since I've been on that ride as well. So it was cool. I got to do the web slingers. I remember that episode. You guys were talking about that. So yeah. Was, how tired were your arms? Yeah. I was like, this is a workout. This is, <laughs> I want to keep playing, but I physically can't. <laughs> um, what, what was maybe a, a high and a low and a surprise for you? What was something that you were like, damn, that knocked it out. Something that you're like, ah, uh, not didn't really meet expectations. Something that really surprised you. Yeah, well, the high was definitely Star Wars. I call it Star Wars Land. It's Galaxy's Edge, <laughs> but the 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 Rise of the Resistance ride oh, yeah. was like the best ride I've ever been on in my life anywhere. Like out of all the parts, and I went to Disney World like a few years ago too, and that just like blew Avatar out of the water. It was awesome. There were just so many like levels to it, like to the experience that I don't know. Like they're really getting immersive with that one so that was probably the high and i i don't even watch i mean i've seen star wars but i cannot retain any part of it but the aesthetics of it all were really cool everyone was in character it was just so so awesome um the low i i hate to admit but the magic is not the same at disneyland going as i get older Mm -hmm. i thought i would enjoy it you know like I always do. And ever since this podcast too, I'm like, I have a new appreciation for Disney, but like there are moments I caught like cast members complaining about their jobs. Like there's little (laughs) things where I'm like that that like breaks this experience for me. And the whole COVID thing too. Like I, I was stressed about that. No one was wearing masks because it's, well, people believe we're out of the pandemic now. And um, it was just kind of stressful uh, to, to think about that. So because of like the whole pandemic thing, it's made it a little bit nerve wracking to be there. But um, that was probably the low. And then surprises. I saw Spider-Man do a couple flips. Oh, yeah. And- <laughs> he landed it, too. Yeah, I yeah. Hope. <laughs> we were like walking and then all of a sudden, like there's a Spider-Man show. And then he's like doing these like barrel rolls over <laughs> on this built on the top of the building. Like I was nervous. And he was doing barrel rolls over these boxes. And then all of a sudden he's like, and for my last trick. And then he just like launches across the building, like in the sky. Yep. And I was, died. I was concerned, but he survived. So yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, he survived that that robot trapeze artist that is Spider-Man. <laughs> Thank goodness. Well, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad that you you I think that you experienced Disneyland as we've all experienced Disneyland as of late uh, where it is. It's still a ton of fun. They're doing some great things. The magic has left a little bit, both from the cast member side and some of the decisions that they've they've been making. It's expensive as hell to go. But you can still have a lot of fun. So I'm glad that, that you went. You also went to Universal if you want to chat about that for a little bit. How was oh that my experience? Gosh. So Universal, I, <laughs> I've i only seen one Harry Potter movie, the first one. Oh my gosh. So going into Harry Potter land, even like Simpsons, I, these are like fandoms I'm not part of. So I'm just like there as a, a objective bystander, I guess. So we go on the, the Harry Potter rides. Well, first of all, 
we were in line for what I thought was a ride, but it ended up being the f***ing wand buying experience. <laughs> oh, no. And my family doesn't watch Harry Potter. My mom was like, why are we trapped in this room? Like, this must be like Star Wars where they like prepare you for the ride. And but the guy was like so awkward trying to stall and buy time. And then we go into this other room where there's the whole wand buying thing. And then they let us into the store and we were just like, what kind of ride is this? Oh, it was, no. It was bad. But um, the like the fancy Harry Potter ride there, it was I have motion sickness. It was not great for that. No. Um, I really liked Okay, highlight of Universal Studio right now. They have animal actors like on <laughs> stage. Like that's the show animal actors where yeah. they have all of these famous animal actors from Hollywood come in like cats doing these tricks. These They had owls and hawks doing like cool tricks in with the audience and um, dogs doing, I don't know. It was, that was impressive. I was like, you can't, that's not fake at all. So. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Dang. Well, you had the full theme park experience down there. That sounds like a lot yeah, of fun. It was cool. It was hot. Can I just really quick, because this just happened. We were just at a <laughs> wedding and, and Alyssa talked about Harry Potter and, and we already talked about Brennan and Uriel, but we were watching Lord of the Rings and Alyssa saw the Gollum character from Lord of the Rings, and I swear to God, she oh, no. called him Dobby. I did not make that. Like, so I haven't seen Lord of the Rings either. I'm yeah, just so she, detached from all of these things, and I'm like, that's Dobby, right? That's totally. When, that's when they stop being friends with us. I think. <laughs> I think they're not friends. Can you, Brynn and Uriel, you're still our friends? Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. And also, shout out, shout out to to Fairy Godmother Mandy. Uh, we we got the the podcast invite to the wedding. Uh, her and Pierce, her now husband, got married, and the Pod Fam showed up, and we had our own little table. We had a couple of guests with us that were a good time as well. But congratulations to you, Mandy. And this was now I don't know a couple of weeks ago, but uh, thank you for inviting us. We had a really good time. Uh, she played eye to eye on the dance floor. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. excuse me, power line moment. Uh, phenomenal. It was so much fun. Uh, congratulations, Mandy. Uh, Chris, we are uh, we're back into it. Scary, scary scenes here. I'm ready to talk about it. But first, we need a spoonful of sugar. Uh, you back on your sour beer adventure? Did you bring a little something else from Asheville? Yeah, I got a, I got doubled up on our Stuva beers. This is not a beer. This is a craft cider. Uh, there was a, this was a destination wedding, so uh, there was a welcome party as there are at destination weddings often, and it was at a cider. I don't know what you call like a brewery, but for only cider, it's like a cider mill. Hmm. Or no? Cidery. Cidery. <laughs> Cidery. I don't know. Uh, this was Urban Orchard Cider Co. Okay. Uh, and there was an open bar. What up? It was all cider, but it was all open, uh, which I was super stoked about. Uh, me and uh, Steve were kept going back up to the bar and we were like, is this, is this bar still open? And they're like, you guys are still good. Like we'll start charging <laughs> you once you hit the, once you hit the, the maximum, but you guys are still good. And we just kept going up, kept going up, kept going up. We were still good. It was like 10 minutes before closing time and they were still like, you guys are good. 
And then uh, the groom came up and was like, all right, everyone, uh, everyone's going to go ahead and take a beer with them home. They're going to grab, they're going to give you the guy four options, grab a can, take it with you. I'm like, there's no way they got even close yeah. to, to like the maximum that they paid. So I was like, all right, I will take you up on that. So I brought my favorite cider that I tried from Urban Orchard, and that was the Arid Apple. Uh, very, nice very packaging. Yeah. Very dry, um, which I like. Unfortunately, I think it got shook up in the transport home ah. because it is very flat and not nearly as tasty as it was the night that I was drinking it before. So shout out to urban orchard, shout out to aired apple. Normally good. I probably won't finish this can though. <laughs> Kyle, what do you got? I have my what has turned into my favorite fall beer, at least of this season. I love a like an amber ale or a red ale during the fall or winter months. And so I seek those out. And now that we're in the middle of October, I've been looking for some. The San Jose Sharks used to have a amber ale that they would sell out of uh, Gordon Biersch uh, in San Jose. I don't know if they do anymore, but that was one of my favorites. Uh, Joseph Brow, which is Trader Joe's brewery based out of San Jose as well, has a, a Howling Gourds pumpkin ale. And when I tell you that Festive. I've been I've been sipping on this nonstop since October began, like this is a great pumpkin ale. It's not too like pumpkin cinnamon y, uh, but it's just enough to give you that fall flavor as well as that kind of amber ale taste. Uh, and I love it. I don't like too sweet of beers, obviously, like being the pale ale and IPA guy. Uh, I like a little bit of bitterness. But when it comes to these ambers and specifically this pumpkin ale, uh, it is delicious. I love this. So Trader Joe's is knocking it out of the park with this Howling Gourds ale. Uh, Alyssa and Eric, whoa, what we got out of the... Oh, here comes your Vermonte. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, how'd so that get there? Crazy. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> um, okay. I I could be sponsored by Yerba or White Claw because y'all, it just it's what it's ninety percent water. It's too easy. It's <laughs> I'm I'm more hydrated than I've been all day. I'm also <laughs> sipping on ruby red grapefruit, so I got antioxidants. Important. Got a little flavor. Um, what are you drinking? I am having another cider. So Chris and I are in the cider club, but this one is a strawberry. Well, it's called strawberry crate. I think it's also from Trader Joe's, um, but it's not made with just strawberries. I think it's apple plus strawberry puree. So it's very sweet, probably too sweet for most folks, but I have a sweet tooth, so I'm loving it. Nice. I, I am eating blueberries from Trader Joe's, so <laughs> bring it full circle. We are we Trader Hoes tonight. Trader okay. Hoes out here. Uh, and Chris, you were right. A cider brewery is called a cider mill. So hey. you, know, oh, you out here. You out here. Chris, why don't you let people know where we ended up last time and uh, the journey that we took? We had 16 of the scariest Walt Disney Animation Studios scenes. On the bracket. And the bracket was um, selected by Hocus Pocus 2 reviewers online. Uh, we s had the interns slide into some DMs, uh, send some FB messages, um, <laughs> and we said, okay, I, 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 I hear your Hocus Pocus 2 takes, but I need to know 
What is the scariest Walt Disney Animation Studios scene of all time? We got 16 scenes. We're down to eight. We've made it through the first round. And here's where we're going to pick up the bracket this week. We've got the number one seed, the Snow White forest chase scene from Snow White versus the number nine seed, Aurora getting enchanted from Sleeping Beauty. We've also got the number four seed, the Night on Bald Mountain sequence from Fantasia versus the number 12 seed, Judge Claude Frollo killing Quasimodo's mom in Hunchback of Notre Dame. The other side of the bracket, we've got the number two seed, the Horned King raising the army of the dead from the Black Cauldron versus the number 10 scene, King Candy going turbo in Wreck-It Ralph. And rounding things out, we've got the number three seed, the Headless Horseman Chase from Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad versus the number six seed, the Evil Queen's Witch Transformation from Snow White. Kyle, I started off the conversation last week. Why don't you go ahead and start things off this time? Sure. Last week, I talked about the sensation of being chased and the feelings that come along with it whether or not you know what you're being chased by, you still have that feeling that whatever you are running from is hot on your heels. They're grabbing the back of your neck. They could be grabbing your shirt at any moment. You are just blindly running straight and away from whatever is threatening you. And that's what happens here with Snow White. Uh, the the huntsman's like, you better get out of here because the the queen's trying to kill you. So you better run. So she takes off and she's running through the forest. And as you did great last time kind of describing this scene, uh, what is really scary about this, let alone the fact that she thinks that she is about to be killed. And so there's a lot of adrenaline running through her. She encountered the scary person who has a knife. She's sprinting through this forest, but she has no destination. She just needs to get away. And as she's getting away, she, her anxiety is transforming the forest around her. Obviously, this forest is not turning into the things that she sees, but that's what it feels like to her. And that's that feeling of being chased, where around any corner, something could come out and get you. So the trees that she runs by are turning into these figures with faces and their branches are hands. At one point, she gets trapped in a bush and those, that bush turns into hand-like branches that hold her and grab her and she's trying to pull away and she can't. My, my favorite part is when she falls into what is like this hole under a fallen down tree and the tree looks like a massive crocodile. She falls down into a hole that is flooded and in the flooded hole are floating logs that also look like crocodiles. And in the dark, all of this is very possible to your mind. Your mind is saying like, yo, listen, you got to get out of here because there's a threat. And the, the more you think the threat is closer to you, the faster you are going to go. And so her mind is telling her that every turn there's something there. And it's just such great imagery. This scene is so effective in, in showing her panic out of the very first film that Disney puts out. It's crazy that they were like, you know what really emotes anxiety? When your brain makes you think that things are 
threatening you when they really don't. How do we draw that out? Oh, obviously we turn this forest into real monsters. Very good. It's I just love this scene so much and it's something that I think about a lot. And it's a scene that scared me as a kid. Like I I was very easily scared as a kid and I remember seeing the scene and dreading that moment. And this happens so early in the film that you're like okay, just we just got to get past it. We just got to get past it. But it's good. And then the cherry on top of the scary Sunday is that the recording equipment to make this thing happen is not as crisp as usual, right? We have very high def sound that we can put all into our films and that didn't exist back then. So the shrill shriek that Snow White lets out at the very end of this in which she thinks that she's being captured and she's about to die is even scarier because it's a, it's coming through this like antiquated recording system which just kind of not only shrills but then also cracks her voice a little bit and i just think that adds to it in a, through a 2022 lens makes it even more scary than it probably i mean i'm sure that audiences were terrified they've never seen anything like this <laughs> back then right so they they're terrified too but to us there's that element of scariness based on how it was created back to aurora uh, getting enchanted uh you you mentioned the motif of of the color green and how that kind of symbolizes villainy evilness treachery uh and it's done so well here if you are like me and Alyssa, who didn't catch that Maleficent was in the fireplace, the orb turning green can make you assume that this is a, a not so good thing that Aurora is going through. She is being entranced and she's not being led to safety or led to Philip after the scene in which she was told she couldn't be with him. She is being led to her death by this thing. Uh, they do a really good job with the score in the scene as well. Uh, they do that kind of shrill violin, uh, very, you know, psycho-esque at the very beginning. That is just this kind of get your your anxiety high as she sees this orb, is entranced by it, and starts following it into this transformed fireplace. Uh, the best part of this scene is the shot in which the entire screen is black, except for the top right-hand corner of it in which it's her slowly making her way up the stairs as if like there's probably stuff beyond that moment. But the fact that she is so dialed into the green orb and the green orb is the only sent uh, source of light in the scene uh, makes it so much scarier. Like she is blindly, quite literally blindly following this light, uh, whether she wants to or not. There is a moment in the scene in which she kind of snaps out of it for a second. The spindle arrives and she's putting her finger towards it. It's like, ah, I don't know if I should be doing this. And Maleficent's like, no, you, 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 got, you got to do it right now. She does it, she dies. Uh, and then you have Maleficent showing up, who is like a very terrifying looking villain. Like she, she's got the horns on top of her head. She's got the big cape. She admits that she just killed Aurora. And she disappears into a cloud of smoke. So this scene is very suspenseful. It's very scary. It's very beautifully done altogether. I think that the the 
the scariest scene out of these two. They both match kind of that Disney quality in my mind of that feels very Disney. Uh, they both match the suspense. They both match the overall feeling of dread for the main character. But I think I'm going to have to stick with the number one seed here. Uh, just because that that chaotic sprint away from something and the impending doom that is the forest is a very scary feeling. And it's really well done and makes the viewer kind of put themselves into Snow White's shoes, uh, even for such a, an early primitive film. I think these are two absolute classics. You yeah. know, like I think when we're talking about best blank Walt Disney animated animation studios, anything like I always, always kind of like favor your classic moments, you know, just because I think they're classic, but somehow still don't get enough love for, for the pieces of art that they really are. Um, I think, uh, one really funny comparison that I have to make, uh, with the Aurora enchantment one is uh elsa in frozen 2 uh there's like a there's like a voice that's like calling to her uh in frozen 2 it's like the oh Uh and in i can't remember what it is in sleeping beauty but it's like something similar where it's like a a sound Uh uh-huh that draws her in which is an interesting sort of uh comp there my question has always been like, why did they leave her alone? Oh, right. Like they've spent the entire movie trying to make sure that Aurora doesn't get got by Maleficent. Yeah. And like when they're in their most vulnerable moment, the three good fairies decide to be like, eh, this is, this is probably a good time to just, let our guard down. We like, should, let's get out of here. We should let her cry it out. She's, yeah, we're she's feeling some out. feelings. Let's let her. Let's let her cry it out. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, we should say, like, why did we? Why did we leave her alone? Yeah, yeah they do. They, they do say they that. Do. They do say that. But like, if they were that smart, they would never have done it. <laughs> some people need a space to cry. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be like that. They, they <laughs> do. But when you've got Maleficent on your ass, <laughs> like that's a different story. She's going to climb in your window and snatch you up when you least expect it. <laughs> the Snow White, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you and move the Snow White forest chase on. I think the like film critic in me wants to stick with Aurora because yeah. there is that element of like buildup and suspense and slowness and silence that I really, really like. I mean, you look at a movie like Psycho and like give me Norman Bates cleaning up the hotel room for 15 minutes. Right. You know, as like a moment of horror over like, you know, someone trying to cut their own foot off in a Saw movie like 10 out of 10 times. You know, I take something like that. Um, but, but you know, when you're going up against this Snow White chase, like this is really the gold standard, I think, for scary Disney moments. Mm. Um, it was the first, um, and it was such a strong way to kind of start the art form that is Walt Disney animated movies. So I'm agreeing with you. Uh, we're sending sleeping beauty home. Alyssa and Eric, do you agree there? hundred percent? Yep. Like, well, 
I have a question, actually. I don't know if we want to save it for the next round. Bring it, bring it. Was the forest enchanted to be like living creatures, like the trees? Is that clear or was it her anxiety or fear? I think it's open to interpretation for sure. Like my personal interpretation is that it is enchanted. Uh, Or at least she has, like her mind has been enchanted uh, in some way. Like one kind of like common motif in a lot of like fairy tales and like fantasy is, is the idea of the forbidden forest, a magical forest. And we see it in the black cauldron as well. And so like, I think the reason forests like that are forbidden is, is that there's something, there's an energy or a spirit there uh, that you don't want to F with. Yeah. Uh, so, so like in my opinion, yes, like the forest is alive and it's kind of like a defense mechanism for the forest maybe. Um, and when they realize that she is not a threat, then they kind of like revert into their like forest creature selves. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's the anxiety. It's the mind forcing you to think that the threat is all around you, even when you're running away from it. Uh, and how powerful the mind can be in to convincing you that the threat exists. Like the threat existed in the fact that the evil queen was after her, but not in that exact moment. But in that panic, your mind will make you go into full flight in which you just need to get away. So I, I but like Chris makes a good point in these fairy tales, the enchanted forest is such a anchor for our main characters to get through, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it could go either way. And the the least scary part of this scene is the the f- man trying to murder her. <laughs> That's the least scary part. Like the sharp knife, the scary, creepy, friggin' Shrek boy. That's even, the least scary part. Even then, audiences were like, we're only eight minutes into this right. thing. Snow, Snow's not going <laughs> to get stabbed up. up right now, right? <laughs> it just ends and it's like, that was it? Sorry, we, that's all the budget we had. Eight minutes of... <laughs> Technicolor is <of> expensive. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the next matchup, it's the number four night on Bald Mountain scene from Fantasia versus number 12, Judge Claude Frollo killing Quasimodo's mom from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm going to start this conversation with a question. Can't wait. Kyle, I'm going to ask all of you this um, as a group. What is the scariest scary movie you all have seen? I hate this question, man. I the hate question. this question. Can I, uh, can I guess what Kyle's going to say? Yeah, please. <laughs> Kyle, did we see When a Stranger Calls with... No, I didn't, see that, with, I didn't see that okay, with you guys. Never mind, sorry. The pod doesn't get that. The pod doesn't get that. <laughs> I thought that Kyle and I went on a double date when we were both in sixth grade. Sixth see. grade, a double date. Well, Eric, that's, that's what Eric, made it okay. Eric was, Eric was out here. No, Eric, Kyle, you must have been there. Who no, the I wasn't there. I <laughs> no, I, I wasn't there. I, I remember specifically that oh I was too afraid God. to see that film in theaters. <laughs> but I remember you guys coming back and you guys being like, "That was a scary movie," and I was like, "Good thing I didn't go." I think that the the scariest film that i've seen or that what i think is oh man chris this is such a a bad question with no prep here uh, i think off the top of my mind i would say it follows 
on on Netflix is the scariest mm-hmm. film I've ever seen. I think I saw part of it. I know what it's about, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have sex and they it's about the STIs, sex, right? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Every time that they have sex, it transfers this like haunted stalker after them. I'm gonna be lame. I'm gonna say the conjuring. That was that was pretty good. Scary. It's it, pretty- it like the 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 whole build up to the demon, the face of the demon, the the reds, a lot of red. Yep. In scene. Have I seen that? No. I think we just saw it last year. No, that was Insidious. Ooh. That's another one. Tiny Tim. <laughs> Once that Tiny oh, no, Tim no, no, comes no, no, on. No, 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 no. Never mind. I'm saying Insidious. Too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Insidious also. Specifically okay. for a tiptoe through the for tulips. For <laughs> Tiny Tim. <laughs> good, good, good one. Chris? So, so scariest movie I've ever seen uh, is it's like an actual good movie, but it deeply disturbed me as well. Uh, Robert Eggers, The Witch. Um, I heard that was really scary, but I've never watched. If you're it. looking for like a, you know, top shelf alcohol of <laughs> horror, <laughs> check out The Witch, uh, a twenty four film from Robert Eggers. Uh, uh, we saw it in theaters, and it was like have you all seen midsummer mm-hmm. it's oh, yeah, it's like scary. imagine kind of a similar sort of like attitude but done a little bit more like classy i guess <laughs> yeah um but basically like the part that i was most horrified about was like it was about like which a witch versus um like a family, like a traditional like Quaker family that was living like on the land. Um, and there's this witch that lives in the forest and her and Satan are trying to corrupt the family. And the worst part was when like the witch kidnaps a baby and like mashes the baby in like a mortar and pestle. Like it's so gross. Okay. (laughs) Um, but reason I'm saying this is because like, I think the thing that I am ultimately most scared of is kind of what I was talking about when we were talking about the night on bald mountain sequence in the last episode, the idea that like there could be a person or a group of people who truly decide to throw their hands up at like law and order Hmm. uh, and say like, and and I'm not just talking about like, Oh, I'm going to like go 45 in a 35 zone. Like I'm talking (laughs) about like, pure evil that like I have absolutely no empathy to the point where like I can take an infant, the most uh, precious, wholesome, pure form of life and just like end it. Uh, like it, it's, it's disturbing, you know, yeah. to say the least. And so I think there are elements of both of the, that. Or there's elements of that in both of these movies and both in both of these moments. Like on Bald Mountain, you have the Chernabog who is basically rallying a group of people who I guess we can assume all believe that sort of thing because the conductor narrator says these are worshipers of Satan. Um, and Satan Satanists uh, maybe don't necessarily worship uh, the deity Satan, but they, they worship like uh, humanness and like we are our own personal gods. And so we can make our own rules no matter how quote unquote good or bad those rules might be, Yeah, uh, which is, which is scary It's scary for society, scary for me. I mean, then you've got judge Claude Frollo, who is kind of like the living embodiment of this um, where he's kind of willing to warp 
the rules uh, and to create kind of his own reality, his own version of good and evil. Uh, dude kills a woman with no regret whatsoever. He's like, she ran. I pursued. She dead. Not my problem, bro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he takes the baby. He's like, this baby's an uggo. I'm gonna throw it down a well. Like, uh-huh. duh. Like that's just what you do to uggo babies, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's there's both there's man that's just in both of these things. I think uh, Hunchback does does a really good job, kind of like provoking a conversation around like morality and like what is good, what is evil, who decides what is good and what is evil. Um, and like it, it just, I guess it makes judge Claude Frollo more complex of a villain. Um, I know Alyssa, you made a good point when you were talking about the music in the night on bald mountain sequence last week, where like you have this classical piece of, music and listening to it is kind of like warm and comforting because it's like a classical piece of music. Some of us know it maybe very well. Um, it's written in a minor tone. So it's like minor key. So it's like supposed to feel kind of like scary, but, um, at the same time, like kind of it's an orchestra. So like it's in a way soothing to listen to. Um, and it is kind of an artistic scene. It's not exactly like a dramatic scene. It's kind of interpretive. So I think it it kind of takes a person like me who likes to (laughs) interpret things to really kind of like put my own version of horror onto this scene. Uh, I think I'm going to go with night on bald mountain just because it takes that good versus evil element, uh, and makes it really black and white. Uh, so I, I mean, I really appreciate the, uh, the gray area when, when we're like really getting into like the whole movie that is the hunchback of Notre Dame. But if we're talking about scene only, I think I like night on bald mountain here. The chase of Quasi's mom is extremely intense because of the reason that you brought up last time, Chris, where we at this point, we haven't seen Frollo off his horse. So even when he shows up, he's this larger than life figure with this horse that can theoretically outrun any human that comes across it. And it looks mean, right? Like this big yeah. black horse with the red eyes that is obviously scowling. Uh, and so the chase is really scary. And then the the ultimate kick that kills her is super violent uh, but you don't know as a as a, i guess a kid watching uh that quasi's mom has died if you're not paying close enough attention to it the priest is saying you know you've spilled blood on the steps of the cathedral and the saints don't like that and Meaning Quasi's mom has died. But as as a kid that's watching this, it doesn't help that this has all stemmed out of a puppet show. We have uh what's homeboy's name? I have it written Clopan? down. Clopan? Clop Clopin? Clopan? Clop yeah, Clop Clop Clopin? 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 Yeah. Clopin? Yeah, he's not the jester because I made that uh, incorrect assumption last time in Crick. Chris is like, nope, that's not, he's not a jester. Uh, but he is the the narrator of the film. 
and he's doing a puppet show for kids talking about the Hunchback of Notre Dame and that's how we're introduced to it. So it's like this playful atmosphere that turns a little bit dark. I get that the score for Night on Bald Mountain at times feels like it's maybe not as serious. It's a little bit lighter. It's a little bit more playful, especially when like you have the little demons like dancing around and it's a little bit of a a higher pitch and it's a little bit softer in tone as opposed to the of Night on Bald Mountain. But there's just so much imagery that is accompanying this scene that is actually scary from Chernobog's like slow grin as we are close up on his face to be right before the titties fly at our face. We have like these ghostly figures that are kind of floating through the air and coming out of the fire after the demons have fallen into it that scream by the screen. And then it's followed up by titties. Uh, Those are also very scary. And just the idea that like things can be brought from the dead and kind of take over this town, this mountain, is a scary thought. I said last time that feeling like you could encounter this is also a scary thing. And if I was in the position of Quasimodo's mom, I would obviously be very afraid. But I think that there's just a lot more going on with the Night on Bald Mountain than there is in Quasimodo's mother's death, unfortunately. So I'm going to agree with Chris with the number four seed here. Eric and Alyssa, uh, what is your thoughts on that? Eric? Um, I just want to remind folks of like one of the scarier things that's that's polluting our society right now. And it's the scariness of racism and colorism. Yeah. And how scary that we still use the word gypsy. Yep. No, I'm kidding. But 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 like th- there's that lens, right, in Quasimodo and, yep. and the hunchback, right? That the like Romani people are just like like folks from India and Europe. Right. Like that's why they're that's what this movie's about. That's why I love, 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 love the hunchback. Cause like there's layers and layers of like scariness. But like if we're going pure horror scariness, you're right, you're right. Like I love, love, love that scene so much, so much. Um, the music's great, the way it builds up. The animation, we've talked about this, like skeletons, skeletons couldn't get scarier. <laughs> the skeletons are so scary. Um, I'm happy. I'm good. Yeah, since since we're axing um, Frollo's scene, uh, I did some research on the song that was in it. And it's oh, the, yes. It's the Latin song, Dies Ire, Day of Wrath. <laughs> and it's a traditional Latin Requiem Mass chant. Um, I don't know if I could play it real quick. I don't know. I can. Uh, I can. Fifteen seconds. It. Yeah, our legal our legal limits. Fifteen seconds. Yeah. So. So when it's like D S E R D S, they were like chanting that in the background. And that those notes are in Squid Game. And it's ah. like a very haunting sound. So whenever you hear the DS era, those like four notes are usually in. Um, it's like a precursor to someone dying in any movie. It's in a lot of movies. So it, yeah, I think it's in um, Jackass 
part two when they're riding in the shopping cart and oh, they're like you're, washing you're right. concrete out. Yes, you're yeah. right. Film theory, yeah. There you go. Hey, Jackass belongs in the Criterion collection is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about this next matchup here. It is the number two, the Horn King raising up his army versus the number 10, King Candy Goes Turbo. The Black Cauldron was a failure of a film by Disney. And mostly because they attempted to reignite the studio through complicated storytelling. They really wanted to tell a story that was geared towards adults that kids would also get some fun out of, as opposed to being like, consumable by anybody that watched it so this film went through rewrites 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 it lost animators famously don bluth left to create his own company from this film and that's where we get like american west fifle american west and all those films uh, because of this because of the black cauldron basically so one of the things that they really wanted to do was make the villain the scariest villain that has ever been shown on screen in a Disney film. And part of that was going to be through the use of special effects, which we see in this film and then in the scene. And then also through the use of gore, they were going to show a lot worse than what they did specifically in the scene. And when uh, Jeffrey Katzenberger, who got his hands on this as he's trying to lead the animation studio out of its dark place. Uh, he was like, this is too, this is too much for audiences. So he cut it. There are clips on YouTube of like storyboards of this scene that were either, and I, I didn't do enough research to figure it out, but either redrawings from stories that were told about the storyboard or are the storyboards themselves. But uh, essentially there's a part in the scene in which, once the souls have risen up and the skeletons have come to life, they like kill a person and it's very graphic. Uh, and, and they cut that scene, that part of the scene out. So uh, the movie was, was a failure because it cost a ton of money because of the special effects and all of the rewrites. And it wasn't good. <laughs> and we've talked about it last time. So, but what I will commend them on are the special effects. For this film, in this scene, the the Horn King is sacrificing what is supposed to be a a soul, but really he picks up like a skeleton and he puts it into the the cauldron, and the cauldron then is able to to rise or raise the dead warriors. There's this green smoke that comes out of the cauldron, and it's very obvious that it's not hand-drawn animation this is this is like filmed cells that they've put over the animation itself and it's really effective because it lets the smoke kind of move like smoke if there's any film before this that has really nailed the the fluidity of literal fluids or smoke i'd love to see it but they haven't really been able to master it until you see something like this in which it's literal smoke later on in the film as well there's like an ex there's a like a water explosion of like a splash and that's not a literal splash. So it's cool that they were able to experiment with it. 
but you kind of wish that they took that money and made it into just like a better film overall, right? Right. So we can kind of enjoy it. So in this scene, Sacrifice is a skeleton. He's right. The army is, is coming out of the ground and some of them are coming out of this like flooded area of this castle that the Horn King is living in. And there's this group of villagers that are also like these makeshift knights that are on this quest with Terran and Alonwe that are trying to protect them. Uh, and the, the spirits rise up and they battle them. And really all we see is the pouncing of the skeletons onto the group of the guys and they kind of fall down and that that's it. Like that's the battle. We assume those guys are dead. And that's where that gruesome scene was supposed to be. Mm. We're going to see them actually get like slaughtered by these skeleton demons. So skeletons are in our face. We get a lot of close up shots of them kind of like opening their mouths. We see some some like drippage, some saliva in their in their teeth. They uh, they make their way up the stairwell and they're going to be crossing the bridge. And that's kind of where the scene ends. They're going to go claim all of this land for the Horned King. And then that's where the scene stops because we get Terran who's planning on stopping the cauldron and then that ultimately kills the Horned King. So those are the uh, those are the two scenes that were really or well. And then the King Candy we talked about last time where the glitch happens. We see Turbo's true self. Uh, for me, it's the Horn King here. Uh, I get that the stakes are high in the Sugar Rush game and that the Turbo figure is really terrifying, but there's a suspense that is led throughout the, the raising of this warrior, this undead warrior crew, in which it takes a while for the smoke to kind of sift through these areas and for these skeletons to rise and when they do they rise like zombies and they're terrifying and up until that point scariest thing we've seen is the horn king who comes down the stairwell very ominously in this kind of shadow and then his face is revealed and it's it's scary uh but it's it's just this slow burn that could have been even slower if they hadn't cut that scene out that is terrifying uh, they do a good job of really scaring the audience after this like kind of weak film. <laughs> and maybe if you watch the whole thing through and you get to the scene, which is what I did last year, and you get to the scene, you're like, God, I just wish this movie was over. But the scene in and of itself is a scary scene. And I think it's scarier than King Candy going turbo. So I'm going to go with the two seed here. Um, the I, I'm going to need a little bit of like plot clarification for the black cauldron did they make it clear like what the horn king's plan was like once the army came to life or was it just kind of like understood that like he's gonna bring people back from the dead and that's bad for everyone yeah it, it sounded like there was this legend of the horn king and that once he he brought the quote-unquote cauldron born back to life uh, that it was him taking over the land that was terrifying, not so much that he had a plan with it. Yeah, I, I just think that like the Horn King design, like as a character, is is pretty cool. Um, very evil looking, but he kind of comes across as like a mustache twirling villain, uh, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Like mustache twirling villains like a villain uh-huh. who, yeah they're just like evil for the sake of being evil like not every villain needs a no backstory motive. but like 
understanding what makes them tick, etc., is generally like a good thing to to have a good story. Even someone like Maleficent, who I would say leans very mustache twirly, like she kind of gets murked a little bit, like at the birthday party, and like that's. Yeah not necessarily like a backstory, but like you, you somewhat understand her actions in the movie a little bit, um, just from like a very brief encounter. Whereas like the horn King, I don't really, I guess, understand what happens next and like what's at stake. Like we've seen four characters, um, and like the idea of this army of the dead rising to like take over the land, like, like what land? I don't know what land you're talking about. Like, are there any <laughs> other people out there? Like, what's it like? I, I really don't know. I haven't in this movie. All I've seen is like three idiots in a castle uh, and like an old guy who's like, I don't even know what happened to that guy. Uh, and a pig and a stupid, stupid Jar Jar Binks. It's awful. <laughs> Uh, I think there's a, there's a really cool element of like the turbo transformation. Um, I, I kind of mentioned last week how, how King Candy was already kind of a, a suspect and he has a lot of those villain traits that we really like, like the idea that he has kind of constructed this fake reality in order to like satisfy his own ego. Uh, and that makes him a really good villain. Um, but what makes this moment scary is that you see his personality tip to where like, not only is he a master manipulator who's great at controlling other people, but he's also this totally unhinged, uh, person who you are not really sure what they're capable of or how far they're willing to go, uh, which kind of takes a, a scary moment and makes it that much scarier, especially when he's up against Vanellope von Schweetz, uh, who we've come to really love as a hero in Wreck-It Ralph. Um, she has kind of shown herself to, to have a pure heart and pure intentions. Uh, and so I think, I think we're definitely scared for Vanellope uh, in this moment. And, and King Candy slash Turbo becomes a very scary villain. Um, I, I'm going to go with King Candy. I think I'm going to go with the upset here. I kind of like the character element, uh, mm. which means Alyssa and Eric are going to be breaking a big tie here. No. <laughs> I feel like when uh, maybe I, other people come on and do this, but like it, every time we do this, I'm like <laughs> surprised. It's, it's hard. Stumped. I mean, I know I was rooting for King Candy goes turbo because it was like a disturbing scene to just see someone you thought you could trust turn into like this monster all of a sudden and having to like escape this person who has it out for you. But also like Horn King and the raising of the dead was actually like a scary scene. Like if you think about like that actually happening, that's scary. And then the animation they had at the time, I don't know. It was really unnerving and I don't know, the imagery is more traditionally scary, I think, um, especially because I didn't know what was going on. I realized I haven't even seen this movie I, this whole time. I thought I, I, I was thinking of Sword in the Stone oh. the whole time. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the Black Cauldron, so no idea. Um, I don't think I want to watch after this just based on how. You the saw the best part. <laughs> yeah, the reviews have yeah. gone. Yeah. 
I don't know. I would vote for Horn King because yeah. it's just like creepy imagery. Yeah. Horny Kings. Horny Kings. Horny Kings. Horny Kings rise up. It's Horny Kings. Horny Kings are scary. Versus um, King Candy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the color palette is scary. We we spent enough time talking about skin melting. Mm-hmm. But that's that like imagery. I still can't. Now that I'm thinking about him raising his army, I'm like, you got you got some skin on you. <laughs> you got more to you. You got some more evil. Yeah. To relinquish. So yeah, I'm supportive. But you're right. The like transformation of of Turbo is that's it's pretty freaky. You're like, okay. I think just because it was on like a candy ride, <laughs> or like a candy, what is it? Race, <laughs> like a world yeah. of candy. Like it's. It's a little more approachable. Okay. But then mm-hmm. Horn King raising the army, like no context. Like it just looks pretty scary. All right. Well, the number two Horn King army rising scene moves on to the final four. And our last round of eight matchup, it's a good one, folks. Oh, the number yeah. three headless horseman chase scene from Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad versus the number six evil queen witch transformation scene from snow white and the seven dwarves. Mm. So headless horsemen. Um, this is like a good, this is a good, like suspenseful scene where you have a hero running from a villain right. uh, just on its own. It's really good. It's at night. The editing is intense. The music is intense. You've got uh, the, the color palette that you'd expect from a, a horrific Disney scene. You've got some stakes involved where like there's a guy who might die. We don't know. Uh, yeah. it, it could happen. Um, but the thing that this movie does so well is it kind of like messes with your head a little bit. Mm. Um, it's very intentional in pointing out that some of the scary parts of this like forest that Ichabod is riding through are elements of his anxiety. Yep. Uh, they literally call it anxiety. Yep. Uh, and previously, right before this scene, Brom Bones has just done a song about how scary the Headless Horseman is and how he's coming for everyone on Halloween night. So this is fresh in Ichabod's head right now. Uh, this is This is the equivalent of like you having a little sore throat and checking WebMD and being like... <laughs> Wait a sec. It's smallpox. It's oh, smallpox. God. I got smallpox. Hey, they got to cut my arm off right now. The sore throat. Oh. So Ichabod's riding through the forest and he's seeing like, he's hearing sounds. He's he's seeing eyes in, inside of trees. And he's like, that's it. That's a headless horse. That's I'm it. done. It's over. <laughs> uh, and we see these things reveal themselves as not really that. Uh, there's like some cattail plants Mm -hmm. banging up on a tree stump or like some little fireflies. And so when the headless horseman eventually does appear, you know that that's a real, that's a real thing. Like this is no longer an element of anxiety. But those kind of fake outs did build that suspense a little bit. You know, they kind of are just like teasing you along, which is, which is like a really great uh, thing for a horror movie to do. But it's messing with our head a little bit more because we're we're never really sure if this is an <laughs> if actual headless horseman yeah, yeah. or if it's Brom Bones himself. Um, which I don't know if that makes the scene more scary or less scary. Right. Uh, because on the one hand, you're like, 
all right, this person's taking things just a little bit too far. <laughs> um, and then on the other hand, you're like, okay, this is messed up. Like this, uh, this is actually happening right now. Uh, this is crazy. I don't I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? Like it kind of ends the, the movie kind of ends with Ichabod making it across the bridge and the headless horseman throws a pumpkin at his head and then he disappears. He got, so got. like my, he got, my got. you think he got, got. <laughs> he got, got, got. yeah, He's absolutely. Done. Like there's, he got, got, cause the entire thing was like, even Brown bones is like, once you cross the bridge, you're safe. The narrator is like, once you cross the bridge, you're safe. And the fact that they thought through the loophole of like, what if I just chucked this pumpkin, flaming pumpkin at him, Yeet. yeeted this pumpkin bomb at him, <laughs> blew him up, pumpkin <laughs> chunks still on the ground in the morning, no Ichabod to be seen. He got got. I, I'm 100% convinced that it was Brom Bones in disguise. Oh. <laughs> and he was just trying to get, trying to just get some. Sure. And he did. He got married to the chick at the end. Right. It worked. <laughs> and so I think that Ichabod just noped out. He was like, Mm-mm. and and that or was it. Brom, like, or it was Brom and he murdered Ichabod. I guess there could be that element too. <laughs> it's kind of a meet, it's a meet in the middle. Yeah, good scene, good way to kind of end uh, end the film. Number six. The evil queen turning into the old hag. Yeah, you got thoughts, right? And so I have so many, so many thoughts. So first of all, just like, just like the, the inciting incident of it's a snow, it's a snow white. It's a small world. Snow white. Jeez. (laughs) The inciting incident of snow white is that the evil queen's like, Am I the hottest bitch? <laughs> like, that's what I was saying too. And the magic mirror is and like. And her mirror is like, nah. She's <laughs> like, hell no. And her mirror is kind of gay. Kind of queer energy from a mirror. Uh huh. You know who's the hottest bitch? Snow White. She hasn't seen sun in 16 years. <laughs> And so, like, it's so, like, it's not like an Yzma situation, though, where, like, this is a person who, like, is very clearly not hot. Like, <laughs> Evil Queen's, like, decently hot. Sure. Right? You're like, both pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah. Can, she's there can got be two. She's got a little body under that cape. <laughs> like, you can Whoa. tell. Like, it's Damn. there. You can tell. She's got that makeup on. Mm-hmm. She's looking pretty good. Um, when we see her like transform, she's got that long black hair. Yeah. Super she's been hiding that. that. She's hey. been hiding that. She's, hey, it's all right. It's all right. Brown eyes are beautiful too. We are getting down. thirsty for the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's my thing is that like what? it seems counterproductive to turn yourself into an uggo when you're trying to be hotter than someone else. Mm. That's beauty standards, Chris. For women. So, so, so now, now evil queen's uggo, right? (laughs) Okay. So how is she, how, what was her plan? Was her plan to turn back into her normal self? And so how does she do that? Does she take another potion? Yeah. Okay, so why didn't she just brew a potion in the first place that was make myself increment like incrementally (laughs) hotter than Snow White? And then like then no one has to die. Then you can be the new number one. 
Yeah, <laughs> she was blinded by fury. I don't know. It's like you, the magic mirror could have been like, all right, if you just the magic mirror was not going to do anything. He did not even want to be like, there. Every time he, she was me. like, magic mirror, tell me he was high. He's like, right. uh, yeah, exactly. That's why Shrek does that. Uh, here's a riddle. Uh, was snow, why is skin? Why is snow? She's like, damn it. He should have done like a, like one of those like matchup graphics on ESPN <laughs> where it's like, okay, she, she's got the advantage in the skin tone, but you've got the advantage on the, <laughs> the, eye, the roundness of the eyes. You've got the hair, but hey, she's got the, she's got the like narrower shoulders. And so you could kind of like move, like you could like piecemeal how to like overcome Snow White in like the hotness matchups. Be like, okay, sure. I feel like I could brew a potion where, okay, she's got me in the shoulder, like maybe it's a little bit slimmer maybe oh maybe it's also maybe like the, a little bit thicker i don't it's know it's also like the the mirror is saying it right he's like well i kind of like a girl that looks a little bit more like snow white and she's like damn it because what if he was like no you know those shoulders those are great shoulders or hey you know what <laughs> you keeping your hair up in a fucking weird hat all the time <laughs> that is the hottest in the land. Thank you for mentioning it. It's super hey. subjective. I don't know. This whole like we investigate the mirror. What are we doing here? That's the real villain. <laughs> this is hitting two queens against each other. That's what we're saying. They're, they can coexist. They can coexist. Um. All right. <laughs> Kyle, you talked about the transformation itself, though, kind of being the scary part, right? Like she takes yes. the potion. Like, yes, she's being crazy about something she doesn't need to be crazy about. Evil Queen's plenty hot enough, okay? Doesn't matter what the magic mirror says about it. Um, and she she does this transformation, and it's a violent transformation. Oh, um, yes. She's retching, and her hands are, like, becoming elongated, and you can tell that it's really painful for her. Uh, she's getting ra- more raggedy and raggedy. Just ch- very similar editing style to that Snow White chase scene where it's like yep. very quick, uh, like scary images mixed with like scared facial reactions, a lot of like lightning uh, and intense music. So um, all in all, like very, very scary scene. Um, and you know, she's out for blood too. Like this whole thing, like, it just goes to show the the lengths that she's willing to go to to uh, make someone dead. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a really good matchup. I think if we're talking about like scariest scene, like from beginning to end, taking in the whole structure, I think I have to go with the headless horseman chase. I think if we were talking about some other elements like scarier villain, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I might lean Evil Queen, but I think as a scene, I'm going Headless Horseman. I'm going Evil Queen, and the reason why ah! I'm going, yeah, the reason why I'm going Evil Queen is because there's too many gags during the chase of the Headless Horseman. Hmm. There's too many moments in which we break the reality of what's at at stake for Ichabod, in which he's you know, he, he gets bumped off his horse and now he's on the back of the headless horseman's horse and there's a silly moment and then he gets thrown back onto his horse but he's on, he's like holding onto the neck of his horse riding backwards. Like, there's this super Disney gag scene in the middle of this scariness which 
lends its hand to the Disney portion of it, but I'm looking at the scariness portion of it. And the scariness is how serious the evil queen's intentions are in this specific scene. She's ready to risk it all to be the baddest baddie in the land. And she's willing to transform herself into this unrecognizable disguise in order to kill Snow White. I, I feel like there you're onto something there where there's other avenues in which she could have made this thing happen. If she's planning on just poisoning Snow White, it's very evident that Snow White is very trustworthy of literally anybody that she encounters. And so she can poison her in other ways. She can kill her in other ways. But here she is going to the extreme. And anybody that's willing to go to the extreme to make something happen for them is very terrifying. I love the Headless Horseman, but I think it gets too silly in the middle. So I'm going with number six, which means that we're throwing it back for a tie break. Um, I hear you, Kyle. Like, the, the, those are good points. Totally good points. I would say, like... If anything, like I look at the range of emotion or scared that I felt during these and like what you're saying is true. Um, like I felt that goofiness. I felt like I felt like the suspense, the buildup was was goofy at points. But then at certain points, you think that the imminent threat is the horseman and you're like, no, nah, it's, it's fine. It's horse tails. And you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what i love that was about so this much movie. more violent than i expected that noise to be oh man you almost that jumped out your deep. window there you just <laughs> came from deep I, <laughs> I think also i i'm the horseman is met like the the way that they draw like the way that it's animated with the colors the cape uh i'm not into like people not having heads <laughs> It freaks me out. So no sure. head. It's like the journey. <laughs> We're back. We're back on it. So no head vine. We're back. It, it lives Jeez. in the Disney zeitgeist. Oh. So no head. <laughs> so so uh, no, no head on this village. <laughs> so you know who's moving forward? Uh, no head. Because it's the journey for me. It's the like, I agree though. The like, it's goofy. And then all of a sudden it's like the most, the most the most up you ever seen in your life, bro. It's like so dumb. It's so scary. Oh, just like all of a sudden, someone on a horse is chasing your ass, and they don't have a head. Yep. This is not Scooby Doo. This is not like oh, Mister Murphy from the museum <laughs> with disguise in your head. How do you ride a horse without being able to see? Is the are there eye slits on the chest? I didn't see them. <laughs> they talk, that's, that's a real horseman. They talk about that at the beginning of the movie. They say Brom Bones was such a good horse rider. Okay, okay, but uh, without being able to see at, at the, in at the in the night it's got some at the night. Yeah. Chasing someone? Alyssa, jump in, jump in. Am I am I over exaggerating this? <laughs> no, riding horses it takes skills, especially without a head. I'm sure, <laughs> especially without being able to see. You really got to trust your horse. <laughs> Hashtag trust your horse. <laughs> Hashtag trust your horse. The the winner in this is is the horse of the <laughs> headless horse. Yeah, the horse is doing all the work, arguably. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, let's talk about this first final four matchups. Number one, Snow White Forest Chase first to number four. Night on Bald Mountain. This is where Bald Mountain Churney goes down. Churney, Churney is going down for me. Snow White's Forest Chase not only puts the audience into her shoes, into her experience, but allows you to interpret it in the two ways that we interpreted it right before we got here, which is, is the forest enchanted? And which, if it is, uh, terrifying. Uh, is it just all in her mind? If it is, uh, scary how powerful the mind is. Uh, anxiety is a hell of a thing. And Snow White was a victim of it, in my opinion. And she almost led herself to her own demise. Night on Bald Mountain, if we weren't forever engulfed in the sequence in which we are able to get used to the craziness that is the scene, then maybe if it was a little bit shorter, if it was a little bit just like, here's the shock factor of this scene. It's scary that this demon has taken this over and and boom, boom, here's all of the scary elements, then cool. Um, but when it's up against something in which I think a lot of people can relate to, the the running away from this fear that hasn't quite threatened them physically yet, uh, the, the fear of anxiety itself, which is anxiety about anxiety, is very scary. So I'm going to go with the number one seed, Chris. I think I have to ride the number four seed to the finals. <laughs> I think okay. it was my number one uh coming into this and like i'm i'm contradicting myself here because like i had uh turbo moving on in the last round because there was like a a character element and i feel like now i'm contradicting myself because there really is no character element of the chernabog and like his villainy is more over like an idea than like a actual like character. So, Uh um, but I don't know. I think just for this scene in particular, it really like inspires deep thought and introspection for me, um, which kind of like, that's like the point of Fantasia, right? Like there really are no characters because it's supposed to kind of be interpretive and, and open up, uh, how you perceive these sequences and, and night on bald mountain does give me the heebie jeebies. And I don't love revisiting it because it does kind of poke at some of those things that I mentioned in the last round that make me a little bit uncomfortable on screen um, and things that, that I'm terrified of personally. So I'm going to go with night on bald mountain. So this one's going to Alyssa and Eric for a tie. Which one will go to the finals? Oh my gosh. Well, like I said in the last episode, Night on Bald Mountain just wasn't that scary to me. Like, sure, it had the scary creatures, but like with the orchestral orchestra song in the background, it didn't like go as hard as DS Ire, you know, like, and <laughs> no, there was like no impending death or like darkness happening, even though it was a dark scene. Um, and it, it was like a party, like you said, whereas the snow white forest chase, like I mentioned in the last episode, those are like dreams I have that are scary where you're like, I'm like running away for my life and not sure what's happening. Um, and I just think like that is a more relatable feeling than the feeling I get at night on bald mountain. And also like we we've mentioned how snow white 
was about to be killed by someone. And that wasn't even like the scary part of this whole thing. So it was kind of like, oh, I just narrowly escaped death. But actually the scarier part is going through this forest where I don't know if these things are living or if this is my fear. And then she falls into this disgusting ass swamp. So (laughs) there's just no winning. It's all scary. Yeah. I'm going to vote for Snow White. The way this makes the forest look too is very, very scary. You talked about this, Chris, though, but like the way the the trunk has like an open hole and there's eye it's 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 messed up it's very scary snow white oh all right (laughs) (laughs) snow white moves on to the finals number one snow white versus no one number one the snow white forest chasing and who will it meet it's the number two seed horned king raising the army of the dead versus number three headless horseman chase we forgot to point out this is a this is a one two three four final four. It was a one two three four uh, final four. Lovely. Um, I think I'm. I think I got the headless horseman chase here. I think the horned king just doesn't really do a lot for me. Uh, like the imagery is scary, but uh, I don't know. He's just bleh. Uh, I think I like um the the slow build, the suspense in in headless horseman. I understand what you're saying about the comedy, Kyle, like him riding backwards on his horse or him at some point he was like his horse's butt was in his face. I think if I'm remembering that correctly. That would be pretty scary. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's scary. Like, yeah, the, the inside of a horse ass <laughs> just as terrifying as uh, allegedly. Hashtag trust your horse. Trust your horse. What do you like? What do you think he saw when he looked inside the headless horseman's like neck hole. He saw his fate, which was death. No, he saw Brom Bones like <laughs> no, looking back at him, oh, being like, on, "No, he did not." Ghost. That's a spooky ghosty. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got, I got headless horseman. Ah, uh, okay. I know that I, I know, I know, I downed headless horseman here uh, last time, but I think I'm gonna agree with you, Chris. Only because this there are no stakes with the Horn King. That movie was just such a mess that like the scene <laughs> as a as a standalone is is scary, but context would make it a little bit more scary, right? Like if you knew what this army was after, which even as a, a viewer of the film, you don't really know what this army is after. Uh, you, you would find it to be terrifying, but you need that context. Uh, the Headless Horseman will move on to the finals to face Snow White. Uh, Eric and Alyssa, were you going to move on the Horn King or are you chill with the Headless Horseman moving on here? Chill with no head. No, so no head? <laughs> yes. All right. All right, here we are. Number one, Snow White Forest Chase versus number three, the Headless Horseman. And Chris Bowersox, I got the number one seed winning it all here. True champion. I think that this... This one, two, three, four made sense. I think when you're ranking scariness that there's not a ton of room for for movement. And we've kind of shown that in this and and with Snow White making it to the finals against something like the Headless Horseman, who I've already said has a little too much silliness to be scary. As Snow White is just dreadful from the beginning of almost being killed to the moment in which she finds out that she's not going to be. So I'm going to go with the number one seed here. Um, 
something interesting about the Headless Horseman chase is that it takes place in Sleepy Hollow. Yep. Which is kind of like a sub-town of Terrytown, which is Terrytown. on the Hudson River. And um, I used to want them. I like was looking at apartments in Terrytown. Oh. I was trying to move to Sleepy Hollow when hey. I lived in, in Manhattan. I was like, maybe I'll get out of the city. Maybe I'll be my, be my own version of Icky Icky and uh, live in Terrytown. Yeah. Didn't end up pulling the trigger, but it looked like a pretty sweet spot. Would love to check it out one day. Um, so, yeah, that's what's interesting about the Headless Horseman chase scene. Uh, and that's about where it ends. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on the number one seed, Snow White. I think... Here's kind of why I think that it is a great winner. It has Snow White herself like being threatened. But I think in this moment, it's a little bit more than that. Snow White represents this like purity. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you see, you know, this young, innocent, woman running through the forest and she's wearing this beautiful dress that is bright and colorful and it's kind of like juxtaposed with the horror of the forest it's like gritty and grimy and uh visceral raw it's a threat on snow white but it's also kind of a threat on just like uh innocence in general you know which is and that's kind of like what a fairy tale is sure uh, and so I think it's a great uh, winner for this bracket. Again, it's a great way to kind of kick off Walt Disney animation and just kind of show off what what this whole medium is all about. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've got a worthy number one seat as a winner here. Um, the scariest Walt Disney animated studio scene, according to this Mouse Madness bracket is the Snow White forest chase scene from Snow White. As we do at the end of every bracket, we're going to go ahead and clap this one out. Eric and Alyssa, did you have this number one seed winning that final matchup? Yeah. We were hoping we wouldn't have to break a tie. That would have been (laughs) stressful, but I'm glad that it was chosen. It's the first movie. It deserves to win for that scary scene. And, and you're right, Kyle, like from mom, from the moment that this clip starts to the end, like it's all it's all fucked up. It's all scary versus like <laughs> I'm, I'm a riding a horse. Bike. I'm a horse on, on a horse backwards. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I'm here for it. The forest is scary, y'all. Know, know what you're doing. Have you seen Blair Witch? <laughs> that was my my scariest movie that I've seen. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a great pick too. Found footage film, of course. <laughs> the first. Eric and Alyssa, thank you both so much for joining us on this journey yet again. We talked a little science with science baddie. We talked a little scariness. This was a great time. Uh, we appreciate you both. Thanks for having us for a third time. No, this was such a fun one to do, guys. Thank you. Thank really you. got us in the spooky season mood. Totally. So. Let's go decorate now. You're on your way to earning your Mouse Madness jacket. You only need a couple more visits with us and then you get the uh, the returner's jacket. Awesome. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. That does it for another bracket. Uh, you got something to say about these spooky picks. 
Uh, did we forget a scary Disney scene? Uh, do you have a bracket idea? Do you want to hop on and be a co-host? Do a little tie-breaking of your own. Please email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness where you can join us at the $5 level by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang where you get access to things like two bonus Mouse Madness episodes a month wow. as well as video episodes, the right to vote on bracket topics, wow. and the invite to our seasonal Jerry's Gang trivia game which is coming up yeah. in just a few weeks. We're already out here going to do some fall trivia. Uh, looking forward to that. Would love to have you over there on Patreon. Folks, before uh, before we sign off here, I just y'all need to remember and never ever forget who's the fairest one of all. <laughs> <laughs>